0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Frogs of War podcast. First episode of February. Thank you all for joining me. I am Russ Hodges. Anthony North, unfortunately, will not be with me this evening. He is feeling under the weather. Uh, Anthony, I know you'll be listening when this episode goes live tomorrow. So I hope you're feeling better. Hope your family's doing all right. Hope everybody in Texas is doing all right as well. I know some uh, snow and ice are rolling through that area. And I know the folks down south don't really handle that very well as opposed to us up here in the Chicagoland area. So uh, hopefully that power comes back on and, you know, things will be back to normal down there pretty soon. We have a pretty brief episode on hand here this evening. We're going to talk about a couple of basketball games that took place recently for TCU, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Really dominant performance from the Big 12 Conference in this game, getting some big time wins there. We will talk about TCU's game against Mississippi State. We will talk about the injury to Mike Miles Jr. and what that means for TCU over these next few weeks. And then we will close it out with the win at Schollmeyer on Tuesday against West Virginia. We'll also hit on a couple of football-related things. Obviously, the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl, is coming up this weekend. Some TCU players are going to be playing in that. A lot of good tape has been put on social media this week of these guys during the Senior Bowl practices, so we'll talk a little bit about that. TCU Tennis is going to be competing in the ITA National Championship in Chicago, getting a pair of 4-0 wins over Gonzaga and Texas Tech. So TCU Men's Tennis, David Roditty and that crew, they continue to roll. Really good start to the season for them. And then we'll hit a little bit on National Signing Day. Yes, that was Wednesday, and TCU was in the news for Jaden Rashada. We will get to that later on in this episode but first let's start with the big 12 sec challenge yes this is the challenge that takes place every year and the big 12 really took it to the sec on saturday a couple of really big wins to start the day first of all oklahoma goes on the road after frankly laying an egg against tcu at Schomeyer. oklahoma goes out and dominates the number two team in the country, Alabama, 93 to 69. And folks, this game was not close. Uh, The Sooners were in control from the start. I don't think Alabama was ever a threat to win this game. Oklahoma came out and just dominated this game, sent a message early on in the day that the Big 12 might be the best basketball conference in all of college basketball right now. And also in Morgantown, West Virginia, holding off a late rally, from number 15 Auburn winning that game 80 to 77, so a pair of huge upsets from the Big 12 early on in the challenge. You have Texas Tech going on the road against LSU playing without two of their key guys, still finding a way to win that game 76 to 68. The first big upset from the SEC was in Missouri where the Tigers. Knocked off number 12 Iowa State, 78-61. to I watched that game all the way through. It was on ESPN2 uh, before TCU and Mississippi State were set to tip off. And Missouri played really well in this game. Really shot the ball well from three-point range. Iowa State was playing without one of its key players, but uh, really bad defense from Iowa State in this game. And I-, I think the Tigers really just they guarded harder. They played better. So, congrats to Missouri on, on getting that upset there. Baylor held off Arkansas 67-64. to 64. That was a really close game toward the end as well. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into TCU's matchup against Mississippi State. This was a, a game coming in where TCU's without Eddie Lampkin, who's dealing with that ankle injury still. Rondo Walker also did not play in this game. And... Even with Mike Miles Jr., I think this game was going to be a bit tougher than people thought. You look at the record, Mississippi State is coming in ranked 12th in the SEC, only have 12 wins on the season, but they are an inside-out basketball team. They have a lot of size in the front court. They have good post players, particularly Tolu Smith, who we will talk about quite a bit, uh, really dominated against TCU in this game, but... um every TCU fan was holding their breath two minutes into this game when Mike Miles Jr. goes down with the knee injury. Now the good news is it's a hyperextended knee. He was immediately ruled out for the game, but the good news is it is not anything more serious than that. The hope is he can come back in a few weeks, but the frogs avoiding a big loss there with a potential devastating injury to Mike Miles and, Just kind of goes to show how fast things can change in college basketball. I mean, we're talking on the podcast last week about how TCU is dominating Kansas and dominating Oklahoma. and There are talks about how good this team can be. Can TCU make it to the Sweet 16? Can they even make the Final Four? Mike Miles, we talked about a lot last week, about how he's grown since last year. He's shooting the ball really well inside the three-point line. He's finishing the ball a lot better at the rim. He's distributing and just showing that he can be the best player on the floor when he wants to be. But two minutes into the game against the Bulldogs, he takes a really awkward spill, tries to get back up, and he just can't go and limps off the court and hyperextended knee. And and again, the news is it's not a serious injury. So uh, thinking about Mike Miles, hopefully he can get back onto the court sooner than later. But Again, in this matchup, TCU was already playing without Eddie Lampkin, your starting center. Rondell Walker is a rotation player. He did not play. So all of a sudden, you're down three guys and two starters against a real physical, big, strong Mississippi State team. And the Frogs fell behind in the first half. They looked out of sorts offensively, really struggled in the half-court setting, were not shooting the ball well. Mississippi State, I think, took a 10-point lead at one time in the first half but it was really the defense that allowed TCU to get back into the game. The Frogs were guarding really hard on the perimeter, making it difficult for the Bulldogs to get the ball inside to their post players. Mississippi State did not shoot the ball well and they're not really a good shooting team anyway, but 29% from three-point range and 69.6% from the free throw line for the Bulldogs, so not a very good shooting effort there, and I think TCU deserves credit for the way they defended. But I mentioned Tolu Smith already. He was unguardable in this game. For those who watched, he was incredible. He had great footwork. He was passing the ball well out of the post. A big guy at 6'11, I think 240, 250 maybe. He was the best player on the floor all game. I mean, every time he got the ball down on the block, it was either he scored he got an assist or he got fouled and made his free throws. He was 11 of 13 from the field. He was five of six uh, from the free throw line finished with 27 points, 13 rebounds and five assists. And anytime you have a big guy give you four or five assists, that's really impressive. Um, He had some great baseline spin moves and it, it just didn't matter if Xavier Cork was on him, if Jacoby Coles was on him, if TCU doubled him, nobody was guarding that man. He was the best player on the floor all game long, and you have to give him credit. Uh, Mississippi State fed him the ball. He was finishing it, and, you know, in those situations when you're under man, you don't have your starting center. And honestly, I think if Eddie Lamp gets healthy, he might be able to deter him a little bit, but Tolu Smith is incredibly skilled, and he had some really nice moves in this game, and I think he probably has a good game anyway you know, regardless if, if Lampkin is healthy or not. So Tola Smith was a absolute handful for TCU down on the block. But again, the perimeter defense was so good from the Frogs that Mississippi State was just not able to really feed him the ball on a possession-by-possession possession basis. He finished with only 13 shot attempts. I think if the Frogs had not defended as well as they did on the perimeter, he would have gotten 20 to 22 shots in this game and probably gone for 35 or 40 points. So, um, TCU really started to dig in on the defensive end in the second half. They were able to get out and transition a little bit more, score on the fast break. Emmanuel Miller was, uh, frankly, pretty bad in the first half. He was 0 for 3 with four turnovers, winds up scoring 13 second half points, definitely turned the game around, had some nice baseline cuts. Chuck O'Bannon hit a couple of big shots late in the second half to keep the keep the frogs in the game. But the two guys that really uh, stood out the most to me were Shahade Wells and Damian Baugh. And I want to give Jacoby Coles a little love too, because Jacoby Coles played really well off the bench in this game, had 12 points, eight rebounds, uh, is asked to play bigger than his size at times at six, seven. You know, TCU, particularly without Eddie Lampkin, is just not a very big team. So for Jacoby Coles to come off the bench and get eight rebounds was huge for TCU in this game. But uh, Shahade Wells and Damian Baugh really took control of the offense in the second half. Shahade Wells was getting to the rim. He was being aggressive and, shoot, even he almost had to go out of the game because he took a real nasty fall early in the second half. He uh put the ball on the floor, tried to get a layup and went down on his arm. Looked like it could be pretty bad, maybe a, a serious arm or elbow injury. They went to commercial and you know, fortunately he was able to come back into the game a couple of minutes later. It looked like it could have been a lot worse. So hopefully he's okay after that incident and um deserves a lot of credit for, for the way that he's continuing to play. Really seems to be unlocked after uh, how he played in that Kansas game. And TCU's gonna need him. He's probably gonna be starting in place of Mike Miles over these next couple of weeks. So he's gonna need to play well and he's gonna have to score for TCU to stay competitive in the Big 12 without their best player. Damian Baugh I thought made some tough shots late in the second half and you know what's so fun to watch about Mike Miles and what makes him so good is that he's a real good one-on-one ISO shot maker. You know, he can make tough shots, particularly late in games that other players on TCU just can't really seem to do consistently. But uh, Damian Ball started to take some of that initiative late in the second half. He made some big shots there and uh, ultimately TCU is just able to grind this game out and send it into overtime. I believe it was 66 all going into overtime and Again, you just got to tip your hat to Mississippi State. The shots that they were making in overtime, open threes, semi-contested two-point shots from the mid-range area, they weren't making those shots all game. They started hitting about every single one of them in overtime. And TCU was just ice cold. Pretty much everything for TCU offensively in overtime was in the half-court setting. And other than a three-pointer from Chuck O'Bannon to make it a three-point game, Uh, There there was just nothing there. So perhaps fatigue was a factor. You know, guys playing a lot more minutes than they normally would, you know, being down three rotation players. Suleimani Dumbia didn't really play in this game. He played like one or two minutes. So it was a a very tight rotation from Jamie Dixon in this game without Mike Miles especially. So um, a a tough loss. I I think people on social media, TCU fans, were – a little discouraged with the loss simply because it's a, a team near the bottom of the SEC and you look at the record and it's a team that's not going to make the NCAA tournament barring anything miraculous but I think when you look a little deeper at the matchup particularly with Mississippi State's size advantage the way they were able to score out of the post and being able to out rebound TCU is it a is it a different game with Eddie Lampkin absolutely is it a different game with Eddie Lampkin and Mike Miles. Of course, it is, but you have to give the Bulldogs credit. They made some big shots late in the game, and you know that's just how it goes sometimes in college basketball. So, uh, again, TCU falling in Starkville, eighty-one to seventy-four. A few games took place after that in the Big Twelve SCT Challenge. We had a big ranked matchup between Tennessee and Texas, a top ten matchup. Tennessee wins that game at home. Uh, 82 to 71, but the rest of it was the Big 12. Kansas State quietly getting into the top 10, number five going into a matchup against Florida. Controlled that one from start to finish. Uh, Kansas State wins that game 64 to 50. Kansas and Kentucky, pretty marquee matchup, two blue blood basketball programs. Bill Self and John Calipari, the Jayhawks winning 77 to 68. Bit of a down year for Kentucky. So far, I believe Kentucky already has seven or eight losses on the season. And then Oklahoma State dominating Ole Miss. uh, A really bad Ole Miss team that has a losing record right now. The Cowboys win that game 82-60. to So, overall, a really strong performance from the Big 12, who right now has six teams again ranked in the top 20 of the rankings. So, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath over this next month or so in the Big 12 conference. And the Frogs fortunately uh, rebounding from the Mississippi State loss on Tuesday was glad to see a lot of fans get out to Shoalmire. Obviously the weather has been really crappy in the DFW area. A lot of snow, a lot of ice freezing temperatures, but TCU hosting West Virginia on Tuesday and getting a much-needed win against the Mountaineer team that TCU had already lost to this year in Morgantown. TCU winning this game 76-72. Score was uh, a little bit deceiving. The Frogs were pretty much in control of this game from the tip. Uh, West Virginia didn't really make a run until the very uh, last moments of the game where they were able to knock down a couple shots and and draw a few fouls to hit free throws, but um, a lot of standout efforts from the Frogs in this game. Xavier Cork, my goodness, if you have not seen it on social media, let me do a favor for y'all. Go on Twitter and search Xavier Cork, and you will be in awe of what that man did putting a West Virginia defender on a poster in what will probably be one of the best poster dunks of the college basketball season. And a really dominant game from him in general had 15 points in the starting lineup. Again, no Eddie Lampkin for this game. Actually, Lampkin did play. He played only a couple minutes off the bench um, and he clearly looked like he was not himself. But given where TCU is at in the season and the injuries to to Mike Miles, you you think he's going to try and tough it out and just give whatever he can until he gets fully healthy. But Xavier Cork got the start. In place of Eddie Lampkin again and was a completely different player from the guy we saw against Mississippi State where he just looked like he was a bit overmatched by uh, Tolu Smith really struggled in that matchup but uh, goes six for six from the field against the Mountaineers finishes with 16 points absolutely monstrous poster dunk from him too in the first half to get the crowd fired up and was really encouraging to see because he's going to be a guy like Shahade Wells if if Lampkin's ankle injury continues to linger, he's going to need to play more minutes and get more starts for the Frogs. And when Xavier Cork is playing well, he brings defense, he brings uh, shot-blocking ability, and and energy to to the starting lineup and to the Frogs as a whole. So, uh, really happy to see him bounce back and have a good game against West Virginia. Shahadeh Wells, again, he starts in place of Mike Miles and has a really nice game, goes for 16 points, 5 assists, he goes 7 for 10 from the field, 3rd uh, double-digit scoring game for Shahadé Wells since Kansas. So again, he's a guy who uh, we talked about on the podcast over and over again, um, really struggling in non-conference play, early in the Big 12 schedule was not giving TCU a whole lot, but Uh, since the coming out party against Kansas, he's been terrific. So, uh, really encouraged with him. Damian Baugh had 16 points and 10 assists in this game. First double-double of the season for Damian Baugh. And then Jacoby Coles, again, I want to give Jacoby Coles a shout out here because I know we've talked about him on the podcast a few times, and he goes for 17 points on 6 of 10 shooting. Goes five or six from the free throw line. A lot of those free throws taking place down the stretch when TCU's trying to close out the game. Jacoby Cole's is legitimately one of TCU's closers. He's one of the guys, and you don't really see that with guys who comes off guys who come off the bench, especially forwards. He's a six seven forward um, coming off the bench, but they look to get him the ball late in games because he's a very good free throw shooter, and he has come through in a few games now in the big 12 and knocked down a lot of free throws late in the game. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. And when you talk about players who have made significant leaps from last season, we've talked about Mike miles. I think he's probably the player that's made the most noticeable leap on the TC roster, but Jacoby Coles has got to be right up there with him. I mean, he's the guy who was sort of in and out of the rotation last year was like the ninth man you know, nine-man rotation, he's the ninth guy. Eight-man rotation, he's not playing. And and he's been arguably TCU's best player off the bench. So really happy for Jacoby Coles continuing to find his way. And he's got a really, really bright future with TCU basketball, in my opinion. So really good win for, for TCU. And a couple of games coming up here that we will get into briefly. TCU going to Oklahoma State this Saturday at 1pm, and then a really brutal three-game stretch, two of which are on the road. You have Kansas State on the road next Tuesday at 8pm. After that, you have a home game against Baylor, and then a road game against Iowa State. So, that's a stretch of three consecutive road games. Uh, what the status for Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin and Rondell Walker will be for those games, I don't know, but If TCU can go two and two or three and one to me is like the super optimist. I mean, if you can beat Oklahoma State and get two out of those three wins without Mike Miles and possibly with a with a very limited Eddie Lampkin, I think you have to be really excited about that. Um the realist in me says two and two, but the optimist in me says three and one. I think worst case scenario is you go 0-4 or 1-3, and 3 and you never know. I mean, in the Big 12, every game matters. It doesn't matter if you're playing a ranked team or not, and Oklahoma State has had its struggles, but they just went on the road um, against Ole Miss, I believe, and beat the Rebels by 22. So any team is capable of winning in the Big 12 on any night, so uh going to be a grind for for TCU over these next couple of weeks playing shorthanded but um it'll be exciting to see how how the frogs deal with that that about covers everything that we're getting into in this episode for TCU basketball let's touch on some football stuff now specifically one Jaden Rashada for those who do not know Jaden Rashada is one of the top quarterback prospects of the high school class of twenty twenty three. Borderline five star quarterback. He's kind of gone back and forth between four star, five star status, but has made a lot of news and a lot of headlines for his recruitment because he was initially committed to Miami. He's from California, was initially committed to Miami where he was going to play for Mario Cristobal before he flipped his commitment to Florida. And was reportedly promised a NIL deal worth north of $13 million. Yes, $13.8 million, I believe, was what that NIL deal with the Gator Collective was supposed to be worth. Ultimately, that deal fell through, and Jane Rashada was not going to get that money. So what happened after that? Well, Florida decided to release him from his NLI for lack of NIL. And that put Jaden Rashada back on the open market, I guess you could say, as an uncommitted player and took a visit to Arizona State and last weekend actually visited TCU. Kendall Bryles, according to 247 Sports and Horn Frog Blitz insider Jeremy Clark, he, uh, Kendall Bryles, flew out to California to visit Jaden Rashada and his family. They have a relationship going back to Kendall Bryles' days as the offensive coordinator at Arkansas. Rashada visited TCU Uh, from what I was told. He liked the visit, enjoyed the visit, but it got kind of quiet after that. And as signing day approached Wednesday, which is the start of the national signing day period, um, whispers began to mount that Arizona state was the favorite. And then Jaden Rashada himself ultimately uh, did share a post to Twitter that he is Signing with the Sun Devils, who employ two of TCU's former recruiters in Brian Carrington and Rashad Samples. Um, Jane Rashada is going to go to Arizona State, where he will probably have a chance to compete for the starting job right away. They brought in Drew Pine from Notre Dame. He's probably the projected starter right now with his experience, but um, if you had to put Jane Rashada in a competition, with Chandler Morris or with Drew Pine, I would say he's probably got a better chance at beating out Drew Pine. And and that's no disrespect to Drew Pine. I don't think he's really a bad player. I think he had 22 touchdowns and only six intercep- interceptions for Notre Dame this past year. But um, a little disappointing that, that TCU wasn't able to lock it down. And I think for me, it's a little more discouraging because the quarterback depth for TCU right now is... Not great. Um, We obviously know that Max Duggan, who's playing in the senior bowl this weekend, has declared for the NFL draft. Sam Jackson, Action Jackson, is heading out to Cal Berkeley. He's already transferred there. So um, outside of Chandler Morris and Josh Hoover, who TCU flipped from Indiana last year, you don't have any scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. So, um TCU reportedly had some interest in Sawyer Robertson, who was a four-star transfer from Mississippi State. He committed to Baylor. After that, it was Walker Howard, the LSU transfer, who committed to Ole Miss. And now you're losing out on Jaden Rashada. So um, spring ball, I know, is going to be starting up here, you know, in the next few weeks. It's going to be here before we know it. But on a positive note, I think... Chandler Morris and Josh Hoover are going to get a lot of work with the ones and the twos and even the threes. And that could be real significant for their development as, as high as expectations are for Chandler Morris. He still hasn't really played a whole lot. You know, we had that game against Baylor. He's had some appearances between when he's arrived and and where we are now. But, um, you know, we started the game against Colorado, got hurt, in the second half. And then it was Max Duggan's season from that point on. So, uh, Chandler Morris maturity wise, he's going to be coming back as a, as a COVID red shirt sophomore. So he's going to be in his fourth college season. Definitely. I think has the the maturity and the leadership ability to, uh, step in and really play well as a starting quarterback. I really like Chandler Morris. I think he's a really talented quarterback. My biggest concern is just injuries and the health of these quarterbacks because again only two scholarship guys on the roster right now the portal is not going to be open again until may i believe so any quarterback that they bring in after spring ball is going to be a little bit behind the eight ball in a sense that you're going to have only the summer to get up to speed on what tcu wants to do before fall practices start so uh chandler morris and josh hoover are going to have a great opportunity to get a lot of work in, but there's also going to be a lot of heavy lifting there. You know, they're going to get a lot of reps, I'd assume, and you just keep your fingers crossed that they can stay healthy because if one of those guys goes down, then you're down to one scholarship quarterback, and um, that that can kind of hurt the development of some of your skill players who need to develop some rapport with the quarterbacks who are the most important players on the field. So, um. Again, Jaden Rashada going to Arizona State. Uh disappointed but not surprised. You know, TCU seems to, to be the runner-up in a lot of these situations, but uh you move forward and and hopefully the Frogs can eventually add a quarterback at some point to just add a little more depth to the roster there. Also, one more noteworthy thing about National Signing Day, Warren Roberson, who's a, a four-star. TCU defensive back commit from Red Oak. He is probably going to be choosing between USC and Texas. That's what I've been reading over the last few days. A lot of crystal ball predictions coming in for the Longhorns. Uh, Obviously Warren Roberson was the only TCU commit who did not sign early. Everyone else did. So I think when you have a commit who doesn't sign early and everybody else does, that kind of gives cause for pause, but Uh, For the Frogs, if they do lose Warren Roberson, they do have three other four-star safeties coming in, Brandon Fontenet, Jamel Johnson, and Javion Wilcox. They also have Chase Biddle coming back, who's a four-star safety, and they have a lot of players from last year's roster, including Mark Perry, Bud Clark, and Abe Kamara, possibly Nook Bradford, all coming back as well. So, uh, we'll be disappointing if TCU loses Warren Roberson, but... Still a lot of talent coming up and a lot of talent coming back at that position. So that's about it for national signing day. Again, TCU's 2023 class has basically been locked up as of early signing day, and then they did their work in the transfer portal after that. So uh, figured it would be a pretty uneventful signing day anyway. But the the Jaden Rashada news given us a little bit of uh, late excitement there, but. That about covers everything on the recruiting front. Um, let's go ahead and jump into some Senior Bowl stuff now. For those who don't know, the Risa Senior Bowl is this weekend. It'll be on Saturday. I believe it'll be broadcasted on NFL Network. They have been practicing throughout the week, and TCU players have been putting on a show for the Senior Bowl in these practices. For, for those who don't know, again, TCU is going to have five players participating in this game it'll be max duggan darius davis dylan horton steve avila and d winters and if you google any of these guys or go on twitter and look up what they've been doing in the senior bowl i know we've been retweeting a lot of stuff on frogs of war twitter if you follow us on twitter we've been retweeting a lot of clips of 11 on 11s one-on-one drills and tcu players are putting on a show i mean Steve, steve avila who we know is an All-American. He's a big-time player. I think one of the best interior linemen in this draft. He is putting on a show. He's putting out some really good tape. And and I hope – I'm a Bears fan. I'm from Chicago, Chicagoland area. If he's available there in the second round, we have that Baltimore pick from the Roquan Smith trade. Please pull the trigger on Steve Avila because he can play center. He can play guard. The Bears are in desperate need of interior linemen. If I have to watch Sam Mustafer play another game at center, I don't know what I'm going to do. So Steve Avila looks really good. D. Winters has had some nice plays, had an interception during practice. Max Duggan has had some nice throws. Uh, Darius Davis has made some plays. And then Dylan Horton has some good clips as well in some one-on-one pass rush scenario. So... Really excited to see how these TCU guys fare in the actual game. Again, it'll be on Saturday. It'll be broadcasted, I believe, on NFL Network. Hopefully, I'll have the time to watch it. I'll be traveling to cover a wrestling tournament that day, but I will be following on social media like I always do and really looking forward to seeing what these TCU players can do. Um, last weekend was the NFLPA Players Association Collegiate Bowl, Alana Lee. And Amari Di Mercado, they were invited and they played in that game. Uh, Wasn't able to get a lot of coverage of that. Their their website is pretty trash, to be honest. Um, Not much of a uh, content farm there. Not a lot of stuff to look at, but just noteworthy to to throw in there. These two guys were invited to participate in that. And Travis Hodges Tomlinson, he was invited to play in the Shrine Bowl, which I believe is actually today, but unfortunately... From what I read, he uh, was not practicing and is not going to play because of an injury. But he did do measurements. I believe he did talk to the media. Uh, came in at five seven and a half, one seventy five. Um, a little surprised by that. We know that he's not the biggest dude, but was a little surprised to see five seven and uh, and one seventy five, getting some uh, getting some Ardarius Washington vibes there. But you can't discount who Travis Hodges Tomlinson is, 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 who he is as a player. You know, he's a tremendous player, Jim Thorpe award winner, one of the best corners in college football this year. Um, really intrigued as to what his future will be in the NFL, because if you look at him as a corner, I think he's got to be a nickel corner. I just don't see him lasting on the outside with, with that size. And we've seen, even at the college level in situations where he's been matched up against bigger receivers, you know guys who are 62, 63, 64, he gets a little grabby, he gets called for a holding or an illegal contact or a pass interference, but when you're playing in the slot, you're not guard- you're not guarding guys who are as big and he's got great open field tackling ability, so I think his skill set could be better uh utilized in the slot if he stays at corner otherwise i think possibly free safety is a is an opportunity for him i know he played a little bit of free safety last year with all the injuries that tcu had but again a guy who's uh good at tracking the football he's you know kind of a ball hawk and a really good open field tackler and i think those are skills that are really necessary at that free safety position so um Interested to see what Travius Hodges Tomlinson does in the NFL as far as uh, where he gets drafted, what team takes him, and ultimately what position he plays. It'll be interesting to see unfold. So um, Ultimately, just wishing the best to all of these TCU seniors, these players who are going to be playing at the next level. We didn't talk about Quinton Johnston or Kenray Miller, who are both juniors. Obviously, they're not going to be... Competing in the Senior Bowl stuff, because they are not seniors, but uh, draft day should be, or draft weekend rather, should be a really big weekend for TCU football. I think you will see a lot of frogs hear their names called in that draft. So, um, real quick before we sign off, again, this is a pretty brief episode. Not a whole lot of stuff to get into outside of basketball and some of the football things, but just a shout out to TCU Men's Tennis. Uh, talked about it at the very beginning of this episode, but frogs beating Gonzaga 4-0 and Texas Tech 4-0 to clinch their spot in the ITA Indoor National Championship Tournament, which will be held in Chicago. And TC men's tennis right now is is on a roll. They've won every match so far. They look like one of the best teams in the country. They're currently ranked number three overall. So looking for big things from the TCU men's tennis team and David Rodetti and that squad as they get ready for this national championship tournament. So uh, best of luck to the frogs when they get up to the Chicagoland area and hoping for the best there. Um, that'll do it really for this episode. Again, I uh, appreciate you all listening in. This is a, another solo act, but we will be back to, to full strength next week. Anthony and I will be talking about more TCU basketball uh, possibly some more TCU football things and other things going on in TCU athletics. So be sure to follow us online at com. Follow us on Twitter. We are getting really close to 22,000 followers on Twitter. So if you can give us a, a follow, a like, a retweet, all the support is greatly appreciated. Um, thanks again to all the fans and everybody who, listen into the podcast and follow us on social media, follow us online. We had about 3,600 unique downloads of the podcast last month, really encouraged by that. And we're hoping to continue to grow our platform as we go into 2023. And just a shout out real quick to our writers, Corey Coons, Drew Carlton, Matthew Scroy, Anthony, myself, um, we're working hard to get some really good content out there for y'all. So uh, the support's appreciated. And when we have our game threads up, stop in online, com. chop it up on the game thread, uh, comment on the articles, share the articles, follow us on Facebook, um, support us however you can. It really does mean a lot, and we, we greatly appreciate it. So, uh, again, I'm Russ Hodges, and I'll be back with Anthony next week to talk about more TCU athletics. Thanks, y'all. Go Frogs.